Gentlemen, uh, your host of the Paper Keg Personal Performance Program, episode 238, Slimbo Slice. Welcome to the show, paperkeg.com, where three amigos get together for like one of those book club dealies. We all read the same book, and then we get together and talk about that book. And uh, we tell you what we thought this week. Dark Horse Comics, Nanjing, the Burning City. Clap for them killers. Give it up for them gangsters. And then we'll read your letters live to tape to close out the show. Letters at paperkeg.com. Three living hosts of this program. Let's get through them right now. You know, you just tuned in. Maybe Table Titans was your first step. And you're like, what's this? The Burning City. What is it? Uh, We'll stay tuned first host he's vp of merch runs the whole show behind the scenes he's got like one of those little calculators that does a little printout at the top he tears it i don't know what he's calculating he uh facebook phenom facebook something that gets like 30 likes right away from his friends and family i've never seen anything like at the speed of which that these likes happen uh, Dale underscore A, welcome back to the show. You know, it feels great to be back on the show, uh, paperkeg.com, and uh, doing it all, of course, from my central hub, top-of-the-line audio equipment running behind this board here. You're guaranteed to get uh, you know, a good recording, good audio from VP of Merch and Dice over here. I think uh, last week I was VP of editing out weirdo buzzing noises from <laughs> Dale's line. I don't know what was going on over there. And, uh, you know, I know you're not watching this on YouTube live, but it may have just ha- happened again. Slim probably edited out already. God bless him. But the next time it happens, it'll probably happen while I'm talking. So I'm sorry for that. Slim. I mean, if it was my line and it's still it was still in the show, then I apologize retroactively to you. You know? Yes. Well, I thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, final living host. I don't know who. I don't know if that was me or whomever. Final living host. By a thread. Jonesy. Jonesy loves beer. More like Jonesy loves diet Dr Pepper. Can we change your Twitter name to that? Is that enough characters? I think that will get that put changed? me over the fourteen character max. Maybe change it to Dr Pep. You know, yeah. shorten it up. Or D Pep. Jonesy loves Jonesy loves D Pep. I think that's perfect. Uh, I mean, and definitely not a mouthful. <laughs> J- 
Jonesy Loves D-Pep is also a writer, unpublished as of yet, but there's still time. It's never too late. I don't know. To money's, follow your dreams. Money's going to an account, and I supply uh, at least 200 words per week. So 200? I, I was on the high side, I would think. 200 characters? 200, maybe 200 characters. Uh, so You're, doesn't that technically count as being published? I mean... The jury's still out. Where I think we're we're still waiting on a verdict. But you know, you're mentioning. Cue uh, it up on the adding machine. Thanks, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Twitter followers, uh, tweet published yes <laughs> uh, or published no. <laughs> Jonesy, Jonesy is of course referencing our Patreon campaign. You know, ages back we decided to throw it up there people wanted to see you know support the show so we just threw it out there um i just wanted to say one quick thing there is something huge coming first to the patreon feeds very soon Mm -hmm. that will shatter worlds i think that's all i can people will just be flapping about it I'm not even talking. <laughs> oh, I actually wasn't even talking about that. I was talking about the other thing. Ooh. Now I guess we got to. Uh, yeah. Now we have to talk about the flap because Andrew just, uh, right. you know, Listen, just he just threw his flap wad all over, on the table, stirring the pot right in front of everybody. The people want you to back in a room talking about like a fatherhood, wet tissue. and I am <laughs> I am nothing but an advocate of the people. Okay. The flap, uh, for those that don't know, is a podcast that recorded infrequently and in fact i think the last episode is over a year ago and it was just me interviewing dale about his 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 life fatherhood in general love technology and as as i say that dale's wearing a shawl over his shoulders right now like the good old wintry days if you guys are interested at all in hearing another flap episode tweet advocate yes (laughs) (laughs) What was that for? That ridiculous tweet vote thing. Something you were, something you cooked up some, for some cockamamie reason, no scheme. Doubt. Right. Then we'd get random tweets, and we'd be like, "What does this mean?" Then, then we'd have to remember why they were tweeting that to us. We should uh, utilize the uh, Twitter poll function. I think on that main account, maybe we could give out like four book club options, mm-hmm. and they pick the next one. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. That way, you can't be doctored. You can't, uh, you know, can't log into a Google Doc and vote as many times as you'd like to get uh, Nick Fury's Agent of Secret Warriors the entire run for a <laughs> for a centennial episode. I remember that episode vividly about how reading through that book and and thinking I was reading the wrong book. People were trumping up uh, like something else that I, ro- I read wrong. Mm-hmm. Remember that? So many issues it was. It's like fifty issues. Oh. So with so many stress irons in the fire, you wonder how we even get through it sometimes, you know? Well, we have uh, Q316 right around the corner. Just a reminder, right around the bottom of the hour, Nanjing the Burning City from Dark Horse Comics, celebrating 30 years of Dark Horse Comics. Congratulations, Dark Horse. Ethan Young putting together Nanjing the Burning City. And we'll be be discussing that very shortly. Mm -hmm. Q three sixteen is right around the corner. You know, it's it's time for the hosts of Paper Keg to go on a, our our new annual retreat. Mm-hmm. 
into the mountains. Perfect word. Retreat. And uh, and just, you know, sit by the lake. You know, maybe cook up some, some weenies. Mm. You know, stream some Spotify if, if we even have internet access Who over needs there. It? Who knows? Who needs internet access? Not me. Yeah. I think what combined, we could uh, each offline a bunch of music. Mm. And there we go. Yeah, my phone's got 64 gigs. You know, that that holds a lot of orchestral Brian Eno ambient music, Mm. probably. You know what I'm thinking a lot about? Like, that sounds amazing, Slim. Thank you. I mean, music aside, you guys are right. I want to train a skillet over the next four or five months and just have this perfect skillet for over the fire. You know, we throw our bacon on there. You know, we throw our sausage, our scrapple, our eggs, fry them up, you know, a nice olive oil base, four-month trained skillet, never let a drop of soap touch it. Oh, right. <laughs> mm. Is that even, can can you even travel with something like that? I mean, we're we're going to be within the state. I don't think we're traveling outside, so I don't think I'm, I'm breaking any federal laws, hopefully. <laughs> We might have to research the federal laws on a train skillet. I'm not sure what, what documentation we need to take out from the local library. I mean, but I don't know if I just turned the heat up or it's getting hot in here. I'm just thinking about this train skillet, but oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. The game warden pulls up in his 89 Jeep Cherokee, <laughs> flashlight <laughs> flapping around, looking looking down in the fire on the train skillet, seasoned he, to perfection. <laughs> he's got that nine-foot CB antenna. That knocks all the branches as he goes by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, obviously, we're going to be in the mountains, probably doing some hiking. Can we get a uh, updated uh, Jonesy Loves D-Pep health status as you take a <laughs> slurp from that, uh, just what the doctor ordered, died Dr. I Pepper? I mean, it's proven that D-Pep um, promotes cartilage uh, to be remade within my joints. Uh, I'll tell you what, there's something I'm super excited about. And I can thank one Karate Chop 16 on the Twitter. Uh, he sent me a link for 30 days of yoga with uh, Miss Adrian as the instructor. And I'm, I mean, I can't really get past day four because I'm not that flexible. But I try to do like a half hour of yoga a day, whether it's 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes at night, or if I can get maybe a whole half hour together. And uh, most of you know that I have comically, you know, chronic bursitis, my left knee. It's a running gag. It's hilarious. But I can honestly say almost 10 days of yoga that I would categorize my knee pain as 30% decreased. So whereas maybe I was at an eight, maybe now I'm at like Mm -hmm. a five. So one thing I look forward to is getting up in the morning, not having like the fear of putting weight on my knee. Like today, I was able to just get up and, you know, get the kinks out, but I could put weight on it. And, uh, you know, I think maybe yoga full time might be a way maybe even to get back to running instead of having to rely on elliptical or exercise bag, uh, bike, you know, strengthen those uh, muscles around the knee, you know, so I'm pretty excited about it. At uh, at bursitis knee on the Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> at Jonesy loves not having bursitis anymore, but he kind of still has it. Nine hundred oh, characters. <laughs> I can only Listen, tweet things like be, "cool." I'll meet with the local Adirondack medical team yeah. ahead of time. I'll have my backpack, Prep them, you know, kind of you know, packed with gauze. I'll I'll talk to them about gauze. bursitis. 
you know, I'll see what the, the emergency evac situation is. And, you know, we'll go from there. Yeah. There's no we'll harm. We'll queue up safe. the, uh, we'll queue up the offline Brian Eno orchestral music as we, uh, search for a signal at the top of a, of a <laughs> thick oak. We climb to the top of a thick oak tree. I just imagine us, you know, one morning, you know, just a reminder, uh, Nanjing the Burning City is our book club right around the corner. I, re- I just imagine day one, we get on our brand new expensive hiking boots. I'm, I've got like this nice vest that I that I got. I'm wearing probably some skin tight jeans or some khakis with my boots. Painted on, one might say. Yeah. And I've got maybe the flannel jacket and we get 30 yards Somebody sprains an ankle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> on a rock in the yard. That—that's the end of that. <laughs> oh boy, it's going to be great. Uh, Jonesy, what is Nanjing the Burning City from Dark Horse Comics? Can you can you guide the listeners that have not read it uh, yet? I'll tell you what it is. Probably one of the contenders for top ten books of the year. Oh my gosh, uh, man! Opinion spoilers. <laughs> is it though nanjing nanjing now we'll call it nanjing for uh our promote our ignorance uh is the story of a chinese military captain and uh the last remaining members of his i don't know if you want to call it battalion uh but they're in nanjing which is a, a coastal city in china uh invaded by the japanese i think in the early thir- late 30s Thirty-seven, uh, yeah. Right before the eve of World War Two, so this, uh, and I don't know what the name of the conflict was. I can't remember already. Maybe the Japanese Sino War, or one of the Japanese Sino War, uh, which was eventually eclipsed by World War Two, the Pacific Theater. So the Japanese invade uh, the Chinese territories. They have superior technology at this point, and uh, Nanjing is pretty much overrun uh, by the Japanese with. Um, Eastern Euro, uh, European support, primarily by the Germans. So uh, this captain, this Chinese captain, he never learned his name, uh, which you know will become a, a clear why by the end of the book. So this captain and his uh, lieutenant uh, Lu, uh, which I'm sure is also a tongue-in-cheek comment, so this person's also really not named, uh, they are nursing... Uh, one of their fallen comrades to health as they're kind of surrounded by these Japanese troops who are picking their way through the burned city. Uh, their comrade, spoilers, dies. Uh, and they keep moving to try to get out of the city. There's a safe zone to the east where kind of like the Chinese citizens are protected from the conflict. That's like, a, I want to say like a prisoner camp. And then there is an escape route uh, to rejoin the Chinese uh, army north of the city along the river. So this book is kind of like their quest to get to this escape route. And along the way, uh, you know, they encounter uh, just atrocities committed uh, upon the Chinese people from the Japanese troops. Uh, They help a family uh, backtrack and get to the safe zone after Lu is wounded. And finally, the book uh, climaxes uh, when the captain uh, confronts this uh, Japanese colonel. And when the colonel offers him freedom and rest 
in uh, repayment for betraying his people, uh, the captain makes his makes the ultimate sacrifice and proves the honor of every Chinese citizen. Uh, monumental book. And the reason these characters, these main characters, the Chinese are not named, uh, there's a very touching afterward by the author. Uh, you know, the Japanese very aggressively tried to uh, burn the historical records of uh, not only Nanjing, but all many cities that were burned and trampled during this uh, conflict. And only recently, uh, I think as late as the late 90s, has this stuff been coming out and uh, various memorials uh, erected. So he left the main characters nameless in order to honor the many nameless Chinese who died and will never be remembered properly uh, from these battles. So amazing book. Uh, obviously, you can tell how I'm talking about it, how I feel about it. Uh, Nanjing, the Burning City. Yeah, this book was, uh, this must have been a cool passion project for Ethan Young to do. He uh, he is American-born Chinese, I believe, and to go back, I think he was born in '83. To go back and shed shed light on something like this is really cool, um, and very noble to do it in this uh, this format. And it, you're going to capture. Are you going to catch the attention of an audience who might otherwise not really know anything about it and to make a story so personal about such a an atrocity they call it the Nanjing it was uh called Nanking Nanking when the atrocities happened and they renamed it but uh I had no idea that this happened and then I I went down the path of enlightenment to uh to kind of educate myself after reading this and it really was a, a massacre. It was, a, you know, they called it like the uh, the Chinese or the Japanese Holocaust. I, I'm not sure which. I don't mean a disrespect at all. But um, the fact that he was able to uh, mine or author a, a, such a personal story against this greater conflict is a pretty pretty amazing and pretty touching how he was able to keep it very tasteful against the uh, the backdrop and the horrors of war. Uh, very, very good point. I mean, there he could have very easily just uh, gone down any path and given you maximum violence during this conflict, but a lot of the uh, atrocity happens off screen. And much like a horror movie, when you have to imagine it, it's much, much worse than had you seen it. So he tell he does a lot with, you know, he does, he tells a lot of story with not a lot of content, if that makes sense. I'm not saying there's not content here, but you get a lot more from context than you do from actually seeing it gratuitously on the page. And that also, when I talked about movies, it made me think the pacing of this book is cinematic. I mean, it's it's 200 and I want to say 30 pages. Uh, and there is not a moment when you start reading that you want to put it down. It's it's the opposite of a slog. Yeah. And he like perfectly like captures the the real life events in like exactly like you said, Jonesy, in this small 
group of mainly two characters and you catch kind of everything and you get like an- like you're angry for obvious reasons but but I'm also angry because like how does how do I not know about this how do you like as an adult how do you mm-hmm. how are you not aware and learned enough to right. un- to know that like these such events happened like the the name of the events of the massacre were like the Nanjing massacre or the rape of Nanjing or then like the Nanjing rapes because there's just so many murders and rapes. Like if these soldiers came upon women, they were raped and killed like by the thousands, tens of thousands. Yes. Three uh, uh, recounted as like 300,000 people who have died and were raped and murdered in the most horrible way. I mean, that's, that is, I mean, that's a massacre. And, and it's not even like, it's just so weird how our culture is that I kind of have to, or we all do have to like stumble upon these events by randomly choosing this for the book club. Because I, I was trying to find a book for us to read and I looked, I think the last few, um, I think Black River we uh, found from like a best of 2015 list, but like how are books like this not more mainstream? It's it's such a puzzling Mm -hmm. thought process when I finish a book like this and I'm like, okay, that was amazing book of the year. How is this not, you know, more accepted, more distributed? Like, how do we do that? It's, it's just such a weird feeling when you finish a book like this and you start to get agitated that it's not in everyone's hands. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, you know, so it's like for uh, for folks like Ethan Young, he's on a mission to try to educate people the best way he knows how, and that's to make a graphic novel about this. Because, I mean, if if he didn't do this and we didn't read it for paper gag, who's to say we would have ever ever known about it? I mean, mm-hmm. you're right. Like how. This, it, I mean, it probably gets deep in, you know, if in a military history class or something like that. But otherwise, it this is something that's just kind of never talked about for whatever reason. It's just, you know, uh, I, I, I don't want to say turning a blind eye, but unless you had an interest in the subject, you would have, you would never know. Right. The, um, it's, you know, one last thing on that, but it's, it's like, Nah, I don't even want to say it because it's too too annoying. But mm-hmm. the there there are many parts of the book where I took a ton of screenshots. Obviously, the art, the pacing is just like you know next level stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of David Mazzucchelli because it's all black and white. Um, it reminded me of his style and a, like a combination of David Mazzucchelli and Cameron Stewart um, in the book, but. There, there are many moments that are told, you know, kind of in silence, and the characters' faces, and the the, the portion of the book where they encounter kind of the the rape aspect, where you walk upon. They're trying to get through the city, and they and they come upon this group of soldiers, um, that almost raped like two women. They kind of kill them because they fought back, and later that night, the, the soldiers are surrounded by a fire, kind of talking about how many people like they've raped that day or whatever. 
and they're kind of just waiting in the shadows. You don't know that they're waiting in the shadows because you're just kind of seeing these soldiers chit-chat. And there's one soldier that is, like, uneasy about the discussion. And he, you know, has an argument, and he just goes off into the distance. And then that's when our two main characters act, and they kill all the soldiers by the fire. And the younger the younger character, Lou, the kind of, like, you know, young, bright-eyed private, um, they, they, they come upon the soldier that ran away, the one that was uneasy about the rapes. And Lou stops the captain. He's like, you know, step aside. I want to take care of this. So the, the young private grabs a rock and murders mm. this remaining soldier. Mm-hmm. The one unbeknownst to Lou that was like having the uneasy feelings, which was so powerful reading that because to Lou, you had no idea that this guy was like, you know, not obviously an evil person, but it's just like such a, you know, the shades of war, like you're yeah. killing this man because you, you, you assume that he's just like the other soldiers, mm-hmm. but it seemed to us, to the reader, that he almost wasn't. But it's just so, you know, it's so troubling reading that, and obviously that soldier was implicit because he didn't he didn't make any attempts to stop anything if, if, if we're to read into this situation, but... Um, because in the background they, they've had this like hut of tied up women that they've been having their way with for days. And it's just so bonkers that that whole scene was nutty. Yeah. You, you, you nailed it where it's just like the, I don't know. It's just the, uh, what happens. I mean, it's just what happens. This guy was so averse to their conversation. He didn't want anything to do with it, but to Lou and to an enlisted soldier like it's just what it's war whether you're uh, uh, moral or amoral or you have a, a dog in the fight you're an enlisted soldier you uh, you have to accept the fact that you are going to die like everybody else and and there's so many points in the story where he where Ethan Young is able to kind of paint that and also in on the other hand on the in the uh the opposite of that not necessarily killing but the fact that uh they're powerless at times to do the right thing because they know it would just meaning it'd be costing their lives for nothing where they you know they'll show their faces while they're overhearing some brutal conversation or some brutal act that they can't act upon because they're helpless and they would just, they're outnumbered and outgunned by far so they can't do anything about it so they're just like they're just like bottle up this information that could you know enrage them but they yet they're still powerless to do it because they're in hiding yeah, the, time. the scene before that where they kind of overhear the soldiers attacking two women and yeah. there's a great like three panel, three or four panels, you know, right in a row of the captain holding back Lou behind a wall as to not reveal ourselves while this is happening. And you see like the fury in Lou and captain is more composed because he realizes what will happen if they show their face. And I thought that was well done because... I started to get visions of Lone Wolf and Cub of 
of, you know, remember when he kind of allowed that woman to just be destroyed and then acted five seconds later. But that one, I felt like it was weighted properly in terms of storytelling as to not just like, you know, make me furious because the women were like abruptly killed while they were hiding. It wasn't like a long drawn out scene where they had to just sit there for like five hours and listen to this. It was like, Mm -hmm. hold on a second. And then it's like, bam, bam, the women are killed. Yeah. So I thought, I mean, it's gotta be so tough for, for the storytelling aspect of, you know, how do you, how do you write a scene like that and still, you know, make it, readable or and and still care about the protagonists and things like that yeah not make it uh not um turn off your audience or your or your reading audience by making it too real which wouldn't be you know which would be a choice in itself because it's it happened you know stuff like that happened but you gotta like he's gotta like toe that line about he's trying to paint the atrocities of war but he's not trying to completely horrify his readers and keep them engaged enough to keep reading yeah i think dale you're 100 percent right there is a fine line between being tasteless and you know trying to accurately project you know the real world uh actions that took place and he is uh extremely capable of showing you probably the the only way the story could be told to be palatable is the way we're seeing it because i'm sure that there was much more horrific things that we'll never know of Mm -hmm. but still he was able to tell a story of chinese honor throughout you know Mm -hmm. a story with no hope he was able to glean some hope from Mm mm-hmm yeah, because if you just read the, uh, you know, the Wikipedia of it, there's, I mean, it's just, it's a one-sided kind of victory, really. I mean, there was a uh, a member of the Nazi party, I think his name was Herbert Rabe or Jonathan Rabe, and he was able to actually organize this uh, safe zone. He was living in Nanjing at the time, and he was able to organize this safe zone into play and... Uh, eventually, most of the city was forced to move to this safe zone, and as long as there were no soldiers in the safe zone, they would uh, they would they could exist there unharmed. But by that point, I mean most of the city was just robbed of its life. Yeah, how do you have a day to day life when you know, mm-hmm. however many of your family and friends and acquaintances are dead? Yeah. Yeah, so I I I totally missed my point back there, but you're like you brought it up. This is a very human story and an honorable story even against like the facts that this was just a complete brutality against hundreds of thousands of people. But this story was one of uh honor and made you feel proud to be Chinese in the face of such uh, opposition. Yeah, without a doubt. This is, you know, Chinese culture is something that, you know, I know nothing about, uh, you know, and to get this glimpse into their history is, you know, very eye-opening for me. And, you know, and for the right reasons, I guess, makes me want to learn more about their history. The um, the book kind of reaches its... Um 
uh, close when Lou is shot by a woman who was pretty much defending her family. And I thought her character was fantastic, and it leads into them trying to um, hide Lou to get him into the safe zone to get him medical attention. So there's a you know a tense scene between them trying to sneak her and her child and Lou kind of hidden in in um, like a wheelbarrow, and eventually you the scene where the captain and the husband meet with was it. The lieutenant, what was his rank? That, colonel. that other, the colonel, and he, he, he's been. He was like shown in the seer, in the book a few times, and he wasn't. He was really quiet, so you didn't know where he stood in kind of like the rape situation and the war. And then the last bit of the book is kind of just them arguing and the colonel bringing the captain into the safe zone to show him how like soldiers were hiding among the farmers and what do you expect me to do? And you kind of get the, the view of both characters and for whatever reason that, that, that confrontation didn't hold as much weight for me because I think I was still so ignorant of the actual war itself. Mm -hmm. And, and I think if I had become more aware of, you know, that aspect of like right before the world war two, I think I'm, I would have felt more emotion with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What did you guys think? I, I actually was very, well, this is where I was, you know, when reading it. So I saw it as the Japanese Colonel was using the captain, uh, to, kind of be an insider like you know you tell me who the soldiers are you know i'll get them out of here i'll save these people and in my head i'm like no what he's gonna do is he's gonna shoot you just as soon as you tell him who all the soldiers were so it was for me it was even more underhanded that he was offering these this false hope to the Mm -hmm. captain because his conversation in the um in the attic of that uh, sniper's cover was basically, you know, telling the the Chinese captain how much how doomed the Chinese are. So why would your tune all of a sudden change and be about honor and about how you need to save these people? Like it was obvious to me that he was being a scumbag. So you know, like for me, I was emotionally dialed in because the captain's been awake for how many days? You know, slept a couple hours. He hasn't eaten. All his friends are dead or in jeopardy. Is this where he gives up for a moment yeah. of, of peace? And this colonel is like as char- charismatic as F right. in the final scenes of the book. And it's like, man, like you could almost sympathize with the Chinese captain. Like, we understand if you if you got to do it. But no, but the, the Chinese captain has the toughness, you know? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, not only no, but F no. And not only F no, but let me tell you about the Chinese people and why you'll never win right. this war. I mean, so I was in for the whole ride up until the end. Which means which means like so much more after you know more about the actual scenario. Like the Ethan Young does a great job of giving you facts and figures while telling you the story. And in the forward and afterward about what really happened, but once you know, if you like read the Wikipedia about the massacre or something, 
you're you, I mean you're totally tuned in with the captain Chinese captain and you're just you know you're that that speech he makes about the Chinese people and how he doesn't give any of his uh, soldiers up or anything just makes a hundred percent more sense and I really liked how Ethan Young was able to uh, like pepper in the facts and figures. It reminded me of the the first volume of the Nam because of the way it uh, was able to tell you facts while telling you telling you the story. Hmm. You just the fact it almost seems like in here though it, al- it the facts almost seem so unrealistic because they're so staggering <laughs> that it's it's almost. Uh, doesn't seem real until you realize it's very yeah. very real which may i mean just you know war is hell and i'm not sticking up for anybody but the the japanese are were uh well documented in their savagery and their uh, oppression of anybody they conquered have you looked up this to see if there's any uh, netflix documentaries yet I did in the past uh, five or six years. There's at least three. There's a Christian Bale movie that's out. It came out in like 2011, based on a scenario that was happening during this time. I think um, was was there a weird bit actor in that movie with him? What's that movie called? Do you remember? Something I'm about flowers, flowers of a girl, or flowers of war? No. Yes, flowers of war. Why is your Google faster than my IMDb app? <laughs> I actually have never even heard of this movie. Yeah. Uh, actually, guys, it's called The Flowers of War. Oh, uh, oh thanks. Original Andy. title, Jingling Shishan Chai. Original title. Two hours, 26 minutes. It's drama history war. Guys. Wonder what it, wonder what his role is in this movie. John Miller. <laughs> actually, that is his name. Amazing. I thought you were being facetious. <laughs> An American mortician on a task to bury the head priest. Hmm. But it sounds like from uh, there are some legit, like legit documentary type movies out there that came out recently that I, I I would like to check out. I'm just so fascinated by this film. What is Christian Bale doing in this movie? It it doesn't even look like it's like a, an American uh, just and it, like uh, and it was like 2011. Company. I mean, yeah. it's he's he's on top of his game there. So fascinating. Well, let me tell you something. Tell us. You going to tell us what the movie title is again? No, no. <laughs> well, it doesn't surprise me. He um, he did that movie Equilibrium. Mm-hmm. You guys remember? I think he got super into uh, like Eastern culture based on that movie. So it doesn't surprise me that he's doing like a a movie like this to help. This this was the year before The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, 2011. Hmm. Although he's got some... That was a funky era because he did The Dark Knight and then Terminator, Public Enemies, which I think flopped, The Fighter. The Fighter was a great movie. The Flowers of War. The other movie I was thinking of was Rescue Dawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys That's see The, the Fighter? One. No. No? White Noise? White Noise. I love that movie. That was going to be the comeback of uh, Michael Keaton, and it just never happened. We had to wait until Birdman. Mm-hmm. He was just in that, uh, and that, and that, uh, that uh, movie. 
the Catholic Spotlight. priest movie Spotlight. That, I watched that on the plane. Did was you? it good? Yeah, it was good. It wasn't uh, amazing. I was anticipating it being amazing. It felt like the way it was directed was like almost like a directory, a documentary with actors of like you know how they did it. It's kind of strange. Hmm. I was going to say the uh, that Larry David HBO movie, uh, <laughs> Delete History. Michael Keaton's in that, and he's amazing. Is that one he's like a billionaire, but then he loses it or something? What's yeah, the one Larry David does. Yeah, okay, yeah. And Michael was Keaton it, was that any this. good? Yeah, it was really, it was really good. It was like a long episode of Curb. Did you see any of his bits from SNL the last week? No, he hosted it. But I really want to watch the episode. It's pretty good, actually. <laughs> you know what? I've never watched, but people tell me I'm dumb for. I never watched Curb. a single episode of uh, Larry Sanders. Oh, oh, it's good. Geez. It's so good. Are you, are you okay? <laughs> so good. So worth it. After you're dead, getting done watching Cowboy Bebop, you should watch that. Oh, my God. The Larry Sanders show is like the, this is a terrible comparison, but it's the Nanjing, the burning of, of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody talking about the Larry Sanders show in this day and age, but they absolutely should be. What that a, movie was so ahead of its time. It's, it, it was. It, it, it set the stage for so many comedies. I was just listening, listening to a Duchovny interview for the New oh. X-Files, and he was like, Duchovny he, is Nanjing the Burning City. Of <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> he was, I think it might have been Nerdist, and I'm sorry for the people who hate Nerdist that I listened to that interview, but I guess Duchovny like to Chris Hardwick scream at him for an hour and a half. <laughs> Come on! Tell me about it. And never mind. That's a terrible impression. So, but the company said like he had to fight to get on the show when it was probably like the best three episode. Oh arc my God. Or whatever. It's so his, his part in that show is legend. <laughs> legend. You need to just start watching that yeah. show. I might have to start rewatch right now. It's so cool to see like all the bit parts that like really famous people had. It was so cool to like have that vibe where these people, these famous people just come in and like do a day of shooting as a favor or something. Yeah. It was so cool and it set the stage for like re- like shows that took place in real life. How about Jeffrey Tambor in that show? <laughs> Jeffrey Tambor <laughs> so awkward. That, he is so awkward in that. Amazing. Rip Torn. The uh remember the Hey Now from Howard Stern or you'd always hear Hey Now. That's mm-hmm. from the Larry Sanders show. I don't think most people even know that. Yeah. So was Tambor, was he like the Ed McMahon to Larry yeah. Sanders Carson? Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. I got to see if that's on Amazon. The rights of that show is weird because it, it like comes on Amazon, but they'll only have like a certain season. Don't you have it on HBO Go? Or do you have um, HBO Go? I don't even know. I don't have HBO Go, no. Mm. But it's probably on there. Man, maybe that's what I'll do tonight after the program wraps. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Boy, like giving my uh, my one a.m. post yoga Larry Sanders review, and then tomorrow morning Smart Coach will be like, "Why did you get two hours of sleep?" Smart maybe Coach this is always is, up maybe my this ass is the cause sleep. of your health problems. You know your average. What's your average hourly sleep over the past couple months? I'd say on average I get about four hours a night. That's not enough, Gen Z. <laughs> is that? No, I feel like that's not crazy though. Six for having a six newborn. To seven. Six to seven hours you should be averaging. Mm. I'm usually in bed by one, mm. and I'm up by, at the latest, six. 
That's an early uh, entrance to the grave. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. <laughs> My gosh. Four hours of sleep? Come on. This isn't college. Yeah? <laughs> I'm not doing it because I want to. <laughs> it's all like I'm sitting there like, yeah, I could go to bed now, but I'd rather stay up two more hours. Nanjing, the burning city. Highest recommendation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Dark Horse hardcover, please. Ciao. I'm telling you right now, book of the year, 2016, Nanjing. I think it came out in 2015, but... Uh, well, it's so good, it supersedes any year, and it's the book of my heart, 2016. We got your letters, I'm gonna open them up. Fair Dale and only Dale are gonna read them to you. Letters at papergag.com. Shoot us a letter. We might read it on the arrow. I mean, Jones, we, we simply point out an obvious thing that's happening. And now, uh, uh, like the uh, the cornered Tasmanian devil <laughs> that you could uh, Google image search. <laughs> Look, I'm you, just uh, trying you to lash balance out. the scales, okay? I have been reading perhaps hundreds of letters without you chiming in. And, you know, I got to pay the piper. I got to pay the letter reading piper. All right. Uh, so our first letter is from, wow, old-timey uh, letter writer, Paul Puck. Haven't heard wow. from him in a while. Wow. Hello, Jets. It's been over six months since I've written. Never fear, though, the paper keg crew is never far from my heart or ears. I challenged myself to get in better shape last year and dropped 85 pounds in about six months. Damn. Nice job, Paul Puck. Paul, how many hours of sleep you get a night? <laughs> Paul, I, I hope it's more than four, apparently, because the sleep Gestapo will be all over you. <laughs> you need to Google how many hours of sleep should I be getting and then type in your age and we'll see what happens. And I'm also going to type in father of two, one's a newborn. Right, I'm going to type this in. Right? Google, Google search results is just a picture of a Tasmanian but he's got to press Google he, search, am listen, I going to die? The Google, you have to have the plus symbol in between the words. I've learned that sometimes in Google. Like baby plus no plus sleep equals duh. With that challenge behind me, I needed to tackle something bigger. I decided to read the first two issues of each new Marvel title post-Secret Wars Hachimachi. Why? Boy, howdy, is my bank account suffering. There's some good books coming out from Marvel, and my daughters don't really need to go to college, so it's all good. A big thanks to Dale and Jonesy for keeping the keg tapped during Slim's absence. I thoroughly enjoyed the Table Titans episode. I have a soft spot for comics with a Dungeons & Dragons theme, mm. so I've already ordered the collected edition and some of the player-versus-player player trade paperbacks. I, too, must confess to listening to role-playing podcasts and purchasing collections of D&D modules, rule books, and dice off eBay, even though I haven't thrown a dice in anger in 20 years. I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one suffering this strange it's affliction. sickness, Paul. Oh, it really God, is. It's a, it's a beautifully, amazingly strange sickness. I will say that. It's so satisfying to get that stuff in the mail, knowing even though knowing you'll never use it like the uh, dice tower I proudly bought 
for the dice that I don't roll in it. I'll leave with my first attempt at a listener lightning round, covering the first eight issues of Batman and Robin Eternal. I took a gamble by selecting this as my first Batman series in a few decades, so it's too bad there seems to be no Batman in it. <laughs> I, I know less about the different Robin characters than Slim knows French words, so I don't think I'm the target audience for this series, but I feel... I feel pot committed so now now so I'll keep reading. I feel, it's a I poker like, reference, though. Oh, okay. I feel, okay. So, you know, if I'm Jonesy, I got my stogie in my mouth. I'm uh, I'm going to feel whoa, pot whoa, committed. Whoa. So now I'll keep listen, reading. listen. Watch out. Hold on. Here the claws. That's uh, the of course the Tasmanian devil over there. Oh, man. <laughs> Thanks for the weekly entertainment. That's from Paul Puck. Uh, Paul Puck, thanks for writing us. We missed you, pal. Uh, we appreciate the letter, and thank you for listening. We know you're there. Even though you're not writing, I'm always like, Paul is definitely listening to this episode of uh, Table Titans. You know who I miss letters from? Ace. Gary Ace Anchetta. You're uh, absolutely right. Wow. Synergy. I uh, I just consulted the Sleep Foundation of America with a, with a panel Fake. of 18 experts. Fake thing. 300 studies an adult aged 26 to 64 should be averaging 7 to 9 hours per night 9 hours per <laughs> night <laughs> what do I have six, to go to bed at 7 at night 6 hours might be acceptable so FYI so, you need to add at least 2 hours of sleep a night that seems uh, like a then, lot <laughs> the, way I, the way I see it Jonesy I mean if you're not going to achieve at least 6 you might as well just only go for 3 or 4 you know, maybe two, and you add in the Kramer scenario where you're taking you know thirty minute naps during the day. God, you I know, wish. standing up in a closet. You know, I could really go for a nap between like three and four. Some you know the parking lot backed into some parking spot at a grocery store. Just assuming that the grocery store is really busy and it's you know we'll be sweetness. we'll be at Jonesy's wake you know who knows how God, in in advance slim. and we'll all be talking to each other and be like you know mm-hmm. he said four hours of sleep a night was enough yeah who knew who knew one to five two to six <laughs> but then we'd think then we but then we'd obviously bring up the fun that Jonesy liked <laughs> you know? yeah. no you just sit there and s bag me. For four hours of my wake. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to... Uh, am I reading the next letter? Joseph? Yeah, um, we're balancing the scales, oh, Dale. I think God. it was very clear. Okay. <laughs> my, my life. <laughs> next up is uh, King of the Letter Writers. Still king in my heart. Hey, yeah, uh, he says in the subject line. I didn't realize how long it had been since I wrote in, November 3rd to be exact, or as Jonesy would say, a year and a half ago. <laughs> still, making my way, still making my way through the backlog of episodes. Just finished episode 218, Ms. Marvel. Not normal. Oh boy, that was uh, Outer Banks keg, I believe, Slim. Mm. Uh, such a great book. I've recommended it a couple times to people wanting to try comics. I myself haven't read anything new in a couple months, so can we just take a second and acknowledge how terrible the Batman vs. Superman trailers look? <laughs> I mean, just absolutely terrible. And now we've got Snyder saying he didn't change Superman. If you're a fan of the comics, then you know this is canon. 
Are you effing kidding me with this S? And no, I don't mean hope. Hashtag garbage. Uh, now on to a few health updates. The last couple months have been a series of ups and downs. My doctor tried a couple of non-surgical solutions on my foot, only to end up putting me back in a cast. Now we're back looking at surgery. Then, last week started a whole new set of problems. I suffered a thyroid storm, which sent my heart into atrial fibrillation, a.k.a. bat-s-crazy, a.k.a. AFib. Uh, my heart rate was over 200, and I was dizzy AF. Then I spent the next few days in critical care playing XCOM 2. Feeling okay now, still a bunch of tests to have done to figure out what caused this to happen. Sorry I've been qu- quiet. I'll try to write in more frequently. Uh, signed at XCOM 2 is brutally unforgiving and wants you to lose all your soldiers, fro. <laughs> P.S. <laughs> thanks for the stickers, fellas. Although I was a bit disappointed, I was expecting something entirely different from Dale's envelope. Hashtag tasteful nudes. <laughs> and he uh, has a follow-up letter. Whoops. I just checked what I sent in because I realized a sentence I moved got left out. Here it is. I can't tell you how much I appreciate all the love and concern you guys show me. It's truly humbling. Signed, at all the love, right back at you, fro. Love that guy. Well, Dragon, thank you for writing in. It means a lot to let us know uh, that you're still out there and able to listen, man. You just take all the time you need to recoup, uh, and we're pulling for you. Definitely pulling for you over here, man. We love you. And uh, thank you for listening and pretty much making us laugh with every letter, even in the the most dire of uh, foot circumstances that you can be. Probably... uh, propped up on that cast somewhere. I mean... Keep barely wanting to type because you're playing XCOM 2. I just love the fact that he preloaded a game before going into the critical (laughs) care unit as if nothing is able to even slow him down whatsoever. Amazing. Guy is totally thinking smarter. He's probably asking like the ambulance driver to not take him out of the house yet because the game's not finished (laughs) loading. He's probably like me. Went back to work that day. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I have high hopes for Batman, Superman, Dragon, Fro. Mm. Based on the simple formula that Zack Snyder's trailers for his other movies were amazing and the movies weren't so hot. Therefore, mm. okay. if these trailers aren't so hot, the movie's going to be amazing. Yeah. That's just simple math. Mm-hmm. These trailers are pretty pee poor, as one might say. Mm. Mm-hmm. Pee poor. <laughs> D-pep. Pep Peepor. <laughs> and uh, that's all the letters this week, uh, folks. Letters at paperkeg.com. Feel free to write us anything you want, um, and we will read it live on the air. We'd love to read your letters. But we don't expect it. We just think, uh, we just thank you for anything. Letter backpedaling right now, live on the show. I just, I just love. I expect a letter from Ace next week. We That's haven't done a, a seminal work, I feel like, that Ace had been able, able to give us wisdom on. I want Ace's opinion about Nanjing. Hey, give me, give me a, you know, three paragraphs of opinion. That's your homework, Ace, that I'm not Next. anyway empowered to assign to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe we have to go back to the Sandman well. 
You know, we have that hardcover uh, that Very Exciting gave us. Yeah. Holy crap, that's right. Yeah, don't forget about that. Next week, top secret Patreon subscribers, supporters will get it first. I can't even talk about it. It's too hot to handle. Colombia. We'll see everybody next week. See the trailer for Kindergarten Cop 2? What? No way. Yeah. Starring Dolph Lundgren. What? Lundgren. Straight to video? uh... I don't know, but he looks great. Dolph does. I saw him in a commercial recently. He did look pretty great. He's got some kind of, you know, mystic magic happening for his, his body. Yeah. I feel like his pecs were a whole nother character in Rocky IV. Mm. Remember that movie? Great movie. The, mm. It was the uh, voodoo captured in his uh, necklace of human ears he cut off in uh, Universal Soldier. <laughs> Maybe he attained it um, while in the sewers of New York with his gooch hanging out buck naked down there as Punisher. <laughs> yada, 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 He-Man reference. <laughs> I tried to, I was lazy. I, I apologize. <laughs> it's my lack of sleep, apparently. <laughs> so, Dale, I, uh, I saw some elliptical hours being logged in the at Casa de Andrews this last week. Feel good back getting back on that horse? Uh, not feeling good yet, you know, but felt I felt good that I was getting on there. It's and first then when step. my, uh, you know, my heart started exploding through my chest, <laughs> I, uh, you know, just had to backpedal a little bit, take it down a, a couple notches. But yes, it felt good to ta- take myself to task and uh, and uh, and do that. I gotta get ready for this five k. You know, don't don't blow any. Uh you know, potential flap wads, just in case there's a flap happening, mm. happened, you know, maybe it's released before this episode. Jonesy. He's uh, trying to get, he's trying to get his face in that flap. No, listen, face I, flap. I've never been on the flap. That's your guys's thing. You know, you do it. What about that Daredevil trailer? You see that? No. Season two. Oh, I did see that. It looks amazing. Mm. I think, uh, think he's going to wear the Daredevil shirt at any point during the season. You mean the Punisher shirt? Uh yeah, Punisher one. Yeah, I thought it was strange they alluded to it like he held up like an X-ray, like he was looking at an X-ray, and then from that angle it was like it was on his shirt. So I don't know if they'll go. Oh jeez, full. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think like the Thomas Jane method was pretty terrible mm-hmm. way to get it on a shirt. Uh, 
I thought Warzone was great because they just assumed that this character dressed this way. So, it'll, but it's Marvel. It's the new Marvel. They're gonna get it right. I have no question about that. Uh, they're just they're firing all on all cylinders. Mm. Am I right? All right. They got. I think John Bernthal is gonna do a fantastic job as Frank Castle. I got no fear. No fear in me about Marvel. The state of Marvel TV. That guy was the most annoying character in television history in Walking Dead. Oh man, hands down. The most. He kept like he was going crazy. He was like rubbing his head <laughs> under in the underground bunker. He was chewing the scenery every time he was on screen. <laughs> he had his little his little khakis tucked into his boots. I got that guy. Just wanted to punch him right in his mouth. One patch, two patch. Ugh, <laughs> oh, that guy. Man. Tell me how you really feel. Ugh, the worst. But I am excited for him as Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, people... Go ahead. People have said that he would make a good Heath Houston. Oh, I could see that. I could see yeah, that. I can't. Slim, right <laughs> now, right now, to the world, I want you to fan cast Fear Agent. I don't know if I can, Jones. It's too emotional. It's too much emotion right now. You need you need somebody more with a more emotional spectrum than John Bernthal, I don't Elder know Statesman him. Hugh Jackman, maybe. <laughs> Elder Statesman Hugh Jackman, that version of Hugh Jackman. I don't. You know, maybe Bernthal has the spectrum. We don't know yet. We got to see how he does in in Daredevil season two coming March to Netflix. I don't think that. Uh, Iron Fist show is ever going to happen. I think that's stalled in his little... Well, I mean, he's not even really that great of a character. Agree. To be honest here. I mean, how do you support a TV show based on that? You know what I mean? It's a shame. Who would you, uh, you know, fan cast right now? Hugh Jackman as Iron Fist? God. No, what a hard question. Elder Statesman? I I would pick Donnie Yen because I think he should be in everything. Who's that? They never saw like Ip Man, Ip Man Two. He's a kung fu martial arts actor. Who was the pizza boy in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? <laughs> uh, yo, what is his name? He's at like every Wizard Con, isn't he? I got. I now I got to find out. Ernie Reyes. Ernie Reyes Junior. Yeah. Last movie he was in I that I remember was The Rundown with The Rock. Remember that? Amazing was he in film. That? Wow. Yeah. He, he. I think he played like the leader of the. Amazon tribe where they were searching for I don't know, forget James what it's called like an idol. I'm gonna edit that out. How how is that racist? <laughs> My gosh, there was also a deleted scene I think that was in the trailer of Walken like reacting to some kind of whip, like some guy whipped or the Rock whipped a gun out of Walken's hand, and Walken was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> that was never in the movie. I think I built you a town. Why are we fighting? <laughs> Fantastic movie. I wonder how he's doing these days. Walken? Chris Walken. Yeah. God, he's going to live to be 200. Guy Christopher Walken as Iron Fist. I will watch that show. Book it. Kevin Feige. <laughs> I wish I had a joke where like, I could name an Iron Fist move and say it with a Walken impression, but I have almost zero Don't knowledge. you love Iron Fist? Don't I you love the one. every Iron Fist? I love the uh, Care Andrews. Uh, Iron Fist, the living weapon, was amazing. 
but I apologize. Shao, I mean, is it Shaolin? Is it Shaolin something? You're thinking Shang-Chi. Oh, Shaolin, I think, is the Mortal Kombat Sub-Zero people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that was the Lin- Shaolin Monks. That was yeah. the Lin Kuei. Oh! <laughs> Do you remember the Mortal Kombat animated series? Amazing. They all had How? jets. Remember that? Everybody got to and no. fro from like two-seater jets. I also remember the Mortal Kombat like TNT TBS live action show that like only aired at 1 a.m. Oh, yeah. Did you ever some, see that? See that, the... that show had some sexy stuff in it, if I recall. Did it really? Some, yeah. Did you see the remake movies? Like those shorts that that guy did? No. Mortal Kombat Legacy, I believe it was called. I heard some, about them, though. He had some pretty, not some B-list stars help him out. I think uh, uh, TV's Jerry Ryan played uh, Sonya Blade. And that's all I know. That's all <laughs> That's all I can mine from the databanks. <laughs> well, later we'll find out Jerry Ryan was never in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> television program please take everything i say with 50 percent probability hour and 20 we gotta wrap it up we might have done it there good moses hour and 20 i got an hour five that's probably you have an hour five oh hour oh oh yeah hour five is actually accurate because i'm looking at the wrong recording even better let's shut it down and shut shut it good night good night guys